previously on the Florida Files. Tonight, Yahweh Ben Yahweh is in a federal prison facility some 60 miles outside New Orleans. The self-proclaimed son of God was arrested on Wednesday, charged with racketeering and giving the orders to kill 14 people. The uh, identification or orders to go out to an and find an individual and murder him and bring back a, a body part, usually an ear, to demonstrate that uh, that had been done. I told you there would be people who will come who will accept me head up. They, they won't go through no chain. They're going to know, yes, Yahweh Ben Yahweh is God. That's it. Boom. You've never spoken before publicly about it? Other than a trial, right. obviously, but no. But you haven't what talked I'm for books or documentaries? Or... No, I've never spoken. Well, thank you. Despite a deal that former Yahweh Robert Rogier cut with the state, he's U.S. Assistant Attorney Richard Scruggs's witness now. Well, we'd had to take Rogier out of uh, state custody and put him in federal custody and put him in protection uh, because the Yahweh's were going to kill him. Scruggs and the other attorney he has working on the case with him, Trudy Novicki, traveled to the Federal Correctional Institute in Otisville, New York. They're there to visit Rogier. It's one of the top security prisons in the country, Scruggs tells me. Scruggs is still steaming over what he calls Rosier's con job deal. I went up to meet him and we just just went at each other. It was, it was, it was like oil and water. And I tell him that uh, I thought he totally conned the state attorney's office. He was a yuck yuck on that one. And that uh, uh, that I was going to try to get out of that deal any way I could. And if I could find any way to charge him, I was gonna charge him. And that I dared him to lie to me or commit any kind of perjury uh, because I would prosecute him to the hill. I said, I am after you from this point out. Uh, and whether we make the case or not, uh, I, I just can't deal with you. I, I ended up having just a terrible relationship with Rozier. He and I couldn't even speak to each other uh, by the time we got to trial. Uh, we couldn't even be in the same room except in the courtroom uh, by the time the case got to trial. Uh, that was a little secret. Obviously, we had to keep to ourselves is that the, the chief prosecutor and the, uh, one of the main witnesses hate each other. substantial cause, though, to base a 25-page federal indictment on Yahweh Ben Yahweh and 15 co-defendants. Proceedings get underway in federal court in Fort Lauderdale on January 2nd, 1992. Robert Rozier was sentenced to 22 years in prison after pleading guilty to the secondary murders of four people. Now his testimony might send Yahweh Ben Yahweh to jail. Yahweh and 15 others are on trial, charged with racketeering and conspiracy. This morning, Rozier testified it was Yahweh who gave the signal to kill two residents of an Opalaka apartment building. Rozier says he was there when Rudy Broussard and Anthony Brown were shot to death. He says he got the keys for the getaway car from defendant Judith Israel. Defense attorneys have labeled Rozier a liar. They say what matters now is whether the jury believes it. He has touched upon virtually everyone in the case. Uh, the question, however, is his credibility. It appears to be a 
outright psychopath. He's admitted to seven murders, I believe probably more, and possibly many that he is um, he's hiding from the government. In Miami, Mel Taylor, Channel 10, Eyewitness News. Local 10 and Local10.com present the Florida Files. I'm Michelle Solomon, and this is the story of Yahweh Ben Yahweh, cult or conspiracy. We did everything from driving a bus to killing someone if necessary, Rogier tells the jury. Benita Mitchell, Yahweh Ben Yahweh's daughter, says informants are paid to lie against her father. He said from the beginning, he told them, he, he let them know that he knew who they were. And he also knew that they were going to be the ones to betray him, and they did. But at the same time, Clark is a paid liar. The man, uh, Robert Razur, a paid liar. Who and paid them? Robert admitted to lying, paid to lie on Yahweh Ben Yahweh. Who, paid liars. who paid? Who would pay? Robert. Who would pay them to? The government paid. The government paid them to lie. That's a part of the. They they received money to lie to testify against Yahweh Ben Yahweh. So you're saying that that the government paid Rosier and Lloyd Clark to to tell the stories. So how did the murders happen then? Murders happened with uh, Robert Rozier himself. Before Robert came to the nation of Yahweh, he was already, he had already killed several men. And so basically, he came there to hide out. We later found out that uh, Robert Rozier had committed all these crimes and had committed these crimes before he ever came to the nation. That's how the murders came. Yahweh and Yahweh never gave them orders to go shoot anyone. Well, some of the conjecture was that he used the Temple of Love as kind of a, you know, he was a psychopath who had killed previously, um, joined the Temple of Love because he could, you know, kind of become anonymous to go out and do the killings and pin it on that Yahweh Ben Yahweh was directing this. To be able to answer that question, I mean, because it, it, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's offensive to even have to answer it, but since it's out there, I will. Uh, but first of all, if he's killed before, and he, so he was some kind of murderer before he came into the temple, uh, so he was already ready to, to, to go and had a track record, uh, you, those people would have to tell me who had he murdered and where were those cases. I know nothing about that whatsoever. And he was, he was, prior to being with the Yahweh's, I would put him as a con man. I mean, he was a, he was a con man, you know, and I don't, I don't shy away from that whatsoever. Because, uh, as I mentioned to you before, he, I thought he ended up conning the state government through his attorney. But anyway, he was a con man. He wasn't violent that we saw. I mean, we looked for that. I looked for that. If I could have found something that he had done, had he murdered somebody else, prior to coming with the Yahweh's and wasn't covered by that proffer, he'd be doing life in prison. I'd have prosecuted him myself. Scruggs' assessment of Rogier being a con man is validated by Royal Canadian Police. 
While he's playing pro football in Canada in 1980, he bounces between $20,000 and $30,000 worth of bad checks. The Canadian police have multiple warrants out for his arrest. He comes back to the U.S. and plays two games with the Oakland Raiders before getting cut. Officially, his football career is over. Sidney P. Friedberg, who writes the book Brother Love about Yahweh Ben Yahweh, says, Exactly when and where Rogier met Hulon Mitchell Jr., the self-proclaimed son of God, is uncertain. She continues, Rogier gave all of his worldly possessions to the Yahwehs and became Nehemiah Israel, child of God. Khalil Amani, the former Yahweh who left the cult and whose real name is Lloyd Clark, says he knew Robert Rogier when they were both living at the Temple of Love. Petty criminal? Yes. Violent murderer? Not until he got the go-ahead from Yahweh Ben Yahweh, Amani says. I can speak on him because he was indeed one of my main friends in there. And Robert Rogier was a happy-go-lucky fellow that was following the orders of Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And anybody who says that he was doing on his own, it's just a damn lie. So if he found a situation that he could take advantage of and he could use that to make himself look good and get closer to Yahweh Ben Yahweh, I'm sure he did do it. But say, let's talk about the, the Opalaka incident where Robert Rozier was the killer. He was, he was following the instructions of Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And that's why he actually went against Yahweh Ben Yahweh uh, once he was arrested because he felt like, how dare you, Yahweh Ben Yahweh, I killed those two guys in the name, in your name, because they had said, F Yahweh Ben Yahweh. And Yahweh Ben Yahweh definitely told him, take care of those guys. And he took care of those guys. But when Yahweh Ben Yahweh didn't want to give him a, a, a Ellis Rubin or a high-powered attorney to fight his fight and said, you know, go at it your own, get you a public defender. Rozier said, oh, so you get Ellis Rubin and I get a public defender. And he realized that his life was screwed right there. And he, he did what he thought was best for him. The government told him what to say. The government told you what to say. Right. Nope. I can speak for me. And the government didn't tell me a goddamn thing. Excuse my French. I told him what I need to tell him. That, but, I mean, that's, that's the rhetoric that comes from the other side. That's, of course, that's what they say. They say that in all, all these cases. They, the government, you know prepped you and told you no nobody told me nothing i went in there my own free will and i spoke my truth as i saw it beatings hangings burning stoning stompings decapitations in court documents the judge overseeing the case federal judge norman rutger writes in his order the case is arguably the most violent ever tried in a federal court beheadings, stabbings, severing of body parts. The, the trial w was horrendous. You just can't imagine all the stuff that came out of trial. I mean, some things were so bad that we didn't show the jury. I mean, it was like, some things were just, I thought, I thought were too bad to show. Uh, I mean, a quick example, uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the victims had it, both ears cut off and Rogier and his partner had dropped one of the ears uh, and had fallen like under the car uh, where the victim was in the car. And so I had the ear. Uh, I had the ear and uh, asked him to please 
uh, enclose it in glass so I can make an exhibit out of it. And then I realized I'm not going to show people this here. There, there's no, there's kind of no evidentiary value to this. I mean, they know it's an ear. Rogier said they cut off ears. We had photographs of ears. And I just thought that, uh, that I, I'm just not going to do this. So I, I, I kept the ear in the vault. Inside the courtroom, things are tense. Outside the courtroom, frightening things are happening. But it goes back to the idea of the jury being scared. I mean, these people were scared to death by the time we got to the end of that trial and how much they knew about the things that were going on outside uh, the trial. I mean, there were all kinds of like nutty things going on, none of which I want to say right up front, none of which we tied to the uh, to any of the Yahweh's. We were, we were always suspect, but we never proved anything. But like, for instance, one of our wit, one of the witnesses in the Delray Beach uh, case uh, was killed a week later. He was run over by a train in, in Delray Beach. Uh, you know, go figure. A week after uh, the bombings? Uh, no, a week after his testimony. Yes, yeah. and then there was, unfortunately, your secretary, Pamela Crumpler. Yeah, Pam Crumpler, my secretary, was murdered. The Friday, it was a Friday afternoon, uh, Pam had left and gone, left early, uh, had uh, gone to the grocery store in her neighborhood up in uh, Miami, I think Miami Shores, and uh, had gone to the Publix up there and was walking home from the Publix, and there were two or three guys uh, waiting for her in the bushes by her front porch. Uh, they jumped out, they grabbed her purse, she fought them for the purse, and they shot and killed her. Uh, we thought it was the Yahweh's, clearly. You know, I mean, you can imagine our suspicions. And again, fast forwarding a bit, it turned out, it, from best we can tell, to be a botched robbery, uh, and, and really nothing more than a botched robbery, and I guess just a coincidence. But after that Friday, after she was murdered, Yahweh actually came to me uh, in the courtroom, which he usually didn't talk to me in the courtroom, but he came up to me that Monday morning. And I, I remember this just like it happened yesterday. He came up to me and he said, Richard, I didn't do this one. And uh, I've always remembered that I didn't do this one. And I actually kind of thought at the time for him to come up and say that is he probably didn't do that one. covenant with Yahweh, an agreement with Yahweh, a contract with Yahweh is sacred. An ethical people, word means nothing. They give their word and they turn their back on their word. When you turn your back on your word, what is another term for that? Lying. You're liars. Means you're untruthful. Untruthful means you're unethical. Ethics is a part of morality, and truth is a definition of morality. So ethics and truth go together. After months of testimony from more than 100 witnesses, the jury says they are deadlocked several times. Rutger orders them to continue to come up with a verdict. 
The Miami Herald reports in a story on May 14, 1992, that the trial has gone on for so long that Yahweh defendants are in court reading the Bible and Machiavelli's The Prince. The spiritual prince of Miami flashes smiles and blows kisses to supporters in the courtroom. It's May 28, 1992. The jury has deliberated for five days. They have reached a decision. Yahweh ben Yahweh is convicted of racketeering conspiracy. They just can't find cause to convict him on the second racketeering charge, which would have linked him directly to the murders. Six of his followers are convicted of racketeering conspiracy charges. Seven others are acquitted of all charges. The jury deadlocks on two of the other defendants, so Rutger declares a mistrial for those. Yahweh ben Yahweh is sentenced to 18 years in prison. Scruggs feels the blow. How did everything end up in the end? I mean, were you satisfied with the end result on the oh, prosecution no. side? No, I was horrified with the end result. Uh, I, I think I think what I told, I mean, I had to choke it down at the end. I mean, this was this was hard, and uh, it, it, this was such a slug. I mean, I'd been at it pretty much every day for years, and to come out with a mixed, a really mixed verdict like this was, was, was crushing. I mean, I'll just, you know, you don't, you don't admit it when you're a younger prosecutor, uh, you know, you know, thinking you're hot stuff, you don't walk around afterwards and say, I'm crushed. Uh, but I was, I mean, it was, it was, it was a blow. Uh, you know, there was a problem with the jury. Uh, we just knew they didn't want to deliberate. And I was waiting for just a hung jury and having to do it again. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be something. But I mean, it, it didn't didn't look good there for, for several days. So there was that problem. Uh, and this, and the, the second problem was that uh, even though uh, Rogier, I felt, had told the truth, he came across really smarmy and really bad. And the Yahweh's had put on this most massive false testimony uh, perjury show that I've ever seen in my life. For every single tiny little incident that Rogier testified about, we, you know, whether we ate dinner on Sunday, they would call up a, a, one of the Yahweh sisters and say, I was there, we ate dinner on Saturday. I mean, so they like took on everything he said and put a witness up there to contradict it. I mean, it was it was just silly. Uh, and when I would question these people, you know, it was so clear they were lying. One of the acquitted was Maurice Simonette. Still a Yahweh today, you may recognize Maurice as the guy that stands behind Donald Trump at rallies with his Blacks for Trump sign. My mother's given name is Maureen. Mm -hmm. My Yahweh name is Mikael, which is Michael. The stories are that 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 people in the in the Yahweh uh, the Brotherhood were going out and and bringing back ears to prove that they had killed a white devil. That's not true. Right. I remember that story. But here's the, here's, this is what they said when the FBI and all of them was questioning me. I was supposed to the one that Yahweh and Yahweh told me, because they said Yahweh and Yahweh never ordered the guys to do it. They said that he ordered me to go tell the guys to do it. 
Okay. Well, I know I never did that. But the thing is, is that Rovere, the one who said that I was the one that gave him the stupid instructions, got on the stand and admitted after he got caught in the lie by Alfred Hastings, which was y'all thing y'all was doing. He said, he caught him in the lie, he said, so you said 1983, all this happened with Maurice, and he was like, yes, sir. And on, on September 17th, 1983, Maurice poked a guy's eye out, and he was there. Yes, sir. Well, I've got this piece of paper here, son, that says between January of 1983 and February of 1984, this is your release date. So you were in jail in Jacksonville. Oh, that, that whole thing about the white devil was all over there. <laughs> it was funny. So he was the only witness to that part of the situation. And then when he got caught in the line, he looked up at the jury and the judge and said, well, I told him FBI was lying about that. I made all that up to get a good deal. And that's why the judge said, Maurice needs to walk out here right now. My short little Italian lawyer jumped across the table and grabbed that big six-foot-five Negro by the neck and tried to kill it. It took five marshals to get him off of it. <laughs> You know, I've been in there all this time, and you just made it up. You understand? So the big problem is, if 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 I'm innocent, and the jury stood up and said we find Maurice innocent, I don't know if you've heard of that. But the judge said that's the first time a jury ever said somebody was innocent. And he said, well, "Don't you mean not guilty?" They said, "No, sir, we find him innocent because Rosier said he made all of it up." So now, if he made it up, then how did they find y'all be y'all guilty? If I'm the guy he's supposed to have told to go tell guys to kill a white devil, if I didn't do it, then how the hell is he guilty of it? Moving to today, I asked Maurice about his support of Donald Trump and his fixed seat behind the president waving his Blacks for Trump sign at rallies. He surprises me by telling me that that support goes back to Yahweh ben Yahweh, that Yahweh ben Yahweh told him that Trump being president is prophesized in the Bible. Because he told us in 1984 that Trump was Cyrus. He said, that man there, that's who we need for our president. One day he's going to run for president, so y'all back him up now. That's the man. He said, Trump. I said, oh, that's him. Yahweh said, that's the man. <laughs> what did Yahweh know? What did Yahweh know about Trump? He said he was Cyrus. He told me that that is Cyrus. That is the man that delivered the children of Israel and the world out of the king of Babylon's hand was Cyrus. And Trump has the very character of Cyrus and the fearlessness of Cyrus. And so he told me, when he runs for president, son, you back him up. He told me that in 1984, walking down, I think it was Broadway in New York, and it was two of us brothers. And we walked up to a few stars, and, you know, y'all, y'all seem to know a bunch of those stars. They were shaking his hand, you know, talking. And Trump pulled up in a limo, and he got out, and y'all, y'all spoke to him for a very brief second. We were, like, acting like we were standing on guard, you know. We wasn't dressed really like he was then. We were dressed like, I mean, y'all, y'all had a, not a head wrap, but one of the little hats that looked like a head wrap, a skin head wrap. And, and we just walked over to him, and talked to him, and y'all, y'all turned around and said, See that man in the sun? I said, yes, sir. You remember him? That's Cyrus right there. Now, one day he's going to run for president. And when you do, you back him up. Mm-hmm. 
the general consensus is that the federal prosecution resulted in light sentences for the leader and his followers. Well, maybe the state can now get something done. Immediately after the federal trial, the state files murder charges against Yahweh and three other defendants in the death of a man named Cecil Branch, who was stabbed to death over two dozen times, both his ears severed on September 20, 1986. Police find him face down on the floor of his house in Miami, bound and gagged with bedsheets. The prosecution states that Yahweh ordered the slaying after Branch confronted and knocked down a female Yahweh. This indictment charges Yahweh ben Yahweh with one count of first-degree murder. Prosecutors are seeking the death penalty. The state's key witness, Robert Rogier, who admits to participating in the murder of Branch. There's evidence against him being at the scene of the crime. A fingerprint on the frame of Branch's front door matches Rogier's prints. Rozier has already cut his deal for his part in all of the Yahweh murders, a 22-year sentence, and admittance into the Federal Witness Protection Program. Former Miami attorney Penny Burke defended one of the Yahwehs in court. So, so who are was, you defending? Kinda... Jesse Obed Israel. And he was very close to Yahweh ben Yahweh. He was in his inner circle. What murder was he supposedly involved in? Uh, Cecil Branch. There was a witness, apparently, that saw my client um, involved in the murder. I really barely cross-examined that witness. I asked the witness two questions, and the first one was, did you get a clear, did you get a clear vision of the person? And my second question was, was there any physical impairment of the person that you saw? And he said, no, the person was fine. My client had a very severe limp, so there was no way that you could see Jesse walk and not notice that he walked because he was injured when he was in the service. So that discredited it 100% right there. They wanted Yahweh ben Yahweh. You know, he was the golden ticket for the prosecutor. So that's slowly stories started to evolve. You know, at least for my guy, you know, he was charged with murder. And, you know, as the way the case started to evolve, but for the testimony of the, of the witnesses that were convicted, you know, that took pleas, there was nothing. Defense attorneys have labeled Rozier a liar. He's the one that ties together supposedly a number of murders that they don't have any other witnesses for. So if that's what they mean by key, yeah, he's key. But whether or not that's credible, key equals credible, that's another question completely. So it's gonna be an interesting day. Mel Taylor, Channel 10 Eyewitness News. My name is Jane Weintraub. I'm a lawyer. I love what I do. I'm very proud of the work that I've done. And I'm proud of the work that I did for Yahweh Ben Yahweh. I think that we did a very good and thorough job. After the RICO case, they indicted him for first-degree murder. Not as committing the murder, but um, as ordering the murder. So he was indicted for first-degree murder, and they were seeking the death penalty. I brought in um, a death penalty expert, Steve Patolsky, and that was the beginning of our 26-year partnership um, in 
cases all around the country and in Puerto Rico. Um, Steve and I tried the case. He was found not guilty. Um, he was tried with several other co-defendants. You know, this was a death penalty case. And the kind of evidence in a death penalty case should be so sure, so precise, so exacting. This Rock evidence, solid. Yeah, you would hope. This evidence was far from that. This evidence was all on cooperators looking for a deal for themselves that would parrot and say anything to get on the bus of the prosecutors, as we say, get on the bus and uh, get your deal. And that's what he did. And Robert Rozier committed many murders and admitted to them. When you're looking to put somebody to death, don't you think you should have some corroboration, something? Don't you think that the state attorney's office, the prosecutors in that case, should have had some corroboration other than snitch testimony? The stakes don't get any higher than life or death. Um, and we thought they were, that the prosecutors really were irresponsible in bringing these cases. And after that, um, two of them were not prost. They dropped the charges. Um, and also we were in Pittsburgh with another case and they dropped the charges. It's Thursday, December 17th, 1992. Yahweh Ben-Yahweh and his three followers are acquitted in Branch's death. It's back to federal prison for Yahweh to serve out his 18-year sentence. He's there during the 9-11-2001 attacks in New York. He's listed as a terrorist. Scruggs tells me something he's never talked about publicly. The thing that trips me up sometimes is that, is that did he direct these or did he just have a bunch of thugs in his midst that used the Temple of Love as a, as a, as a hitching post, for lack of a better way of saying it, to go out and, you know, there was this group of, you know, kind of thugs. Well, first of all, let's let's talk a couple of things. The, let's call it the thug theory. The thug theory only fits with the white devil murders. It doesn't fit with any of the rest of them. Uh, so there's that problem to begin with. Uh, the other murders, Rozier didn't even testify to, and those murders were the witnesses involved said they were directed by Yahweh. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't just Rozier. I mean, everybody tries to hang this on Rozier, but it wasn't just him. I think the jury probably disregarded, like I said, most of what he said. Uh, Ricardo Woodside, uh, who is uh, Michael the Black Man's brother, Ricardo Woodside was one of the murderers of Ashton Green. And he pled guilty, went to prison, and testified that they were directed by Yahweh to do it. I mean, so, I mean, there were many people. It wasn't just Rozier to start with. And, okay, why did he do it? The, there, you had to, you had to look at the different classes of murders, if you will. There were the dissident murders, 
which were the first ones in the beginning. Uh, those sort of consolidated his power. Uh, I mean, Carlton Carey was going to go out and form his own group because uh, he didn't believe that Yahweh was, he saw that Yahweh was kind of working up to be something that he wasn't, some kind of saint or messiah. We have, you know, any number of people that testified to those murders. Then you have the karate guy murder that happened in front of everybody. And Yahweh directed uh, the people to kill him uh, and for everybody to strike the body. And his relatives, I mean, his sister, Jean, broke down and cried. It just couldn't, it was horrifying to her to have to tell this story about how her brother had directed her to hit the body with a stick so that she would be complicit. I mean, so, so it clearly didn't apply there. The white devils have always mystified me. Uh, I will tell you a story that I uh, never told outside of law enforcement, but we had two witnesses uh, who refused to testify, just refused to testify, uh, that told us that uh, they were demonstration murders. Uh, that's why the ears were cut off. Uh, so that it would be recorded uh, both in records and in newspapers uh, so that, that uh, someone could tell that a group had done it and that uh, the Yahweh's, that Yahweh bin Yahweh was doing it for, uh, for Gaddafi in Libya. Uh, the Libyans at that time were actively, and this part is definitely true, were looking for a hit group uh, to act on their behalf in the United States. The murders were done here then, directed by Yahweh bin Yahweh, unbeknownst to the other people, to the, to the people that uh, were committing the murders, uh, is demonstration murders uh, for the Libyans to show they could, he could have people killed and have it done quietly. And uh, that's why the ears were cut off to his demonstrations. And I can tell you also that money started flowing in through some mysterious guy in Fort Lauderdale into their bank accounts right after that. Not long after in September 2001, after serving just 10 years, Yahweh Ben Yahweh is released on parole. He moves into a four-bedroom home in Miami-Dade County. Mail call at the house where Yahweh Ben Yahweh is now supposed to live. A source says the nation of Yahweh church members who had occupied the house have moved. Yes, I know them, the people over there down the street. Yeah, because sometimes they say hello to me, you know. Yeah. And your thoughts on him moving into the neighborhood? Mm, that's enough, yeah. We don't need somebody like that. So at least if he's changed, you know, if he's changed, it's okay. Security cameras on the watch, but no one was to be seen. The Lincoln Town car parked in the drive is registered to Patricia Royster of Fort Lauderdale. No one was home at the Royster house as well. Either come forth with an indictment now or quit printing the garbage. Yahweh was indicted and is now free on parole from his upstate New York prison after paying a $16,000 fine. Convicted in 1993 of ordering other sect members to kill 14 so-called white devils, along with blacks who left his church. Having him this close is unsettling for many on this street. I, as far as I understand, he used to make himself God. And I don't believe no man on earth is God. You know, same man like the one in, in what they call it, Afghanistan. 
His attorneys are disappointed Yahweh's new residence was made public. That house was a private residence that was particularly pulled for the privacy, which now has um, unfortunately been taken over. Jane Weintraub, the Miami attorney who defended Yahweh Ben Yahweh on first-degree murder charges in Dade County Circuit Court in 1992, says Yahweh was a simple man. Yahweh Ben Yahweh was peaceful. You know, he, when he got out of jail, I would go visit him sometimes, and this was when he had cancer and was ill. And his biggest pleasure was just sitting out looking at the water and seeing the ducks eating. He was always a pensive, peaceful person. And he was sick by then. And, you know, people would always rubber neck. <laughs> Um, and he just wanted to be left alone and wanted to be able to die in peace. In the end, he was just a man, and he was falsely accused. Robert Rozier serves 10 years of his 22-year prison sentence and is released in 1996. Part of his deal for testifying against Yahweh and other followers is that upon his release, he will become a federal protected witness. His name is changed to Robert Ramesses. He relocates to California. In 2001, though, his present collides with his past as he's arrested for felony check fraud for passing bad checks in El Dorado County, California. The prosecution says he wrote checks for brake pads, groceries, video rentals, and to pay a bar tab. He wrote these checks for an account that had been closed, 27 checks in all, totaling $2,200. The judge lectures Rozier as he sentences him to a California prison from 25 years to life. Not for the checks, but for throwing away his chance of freedom. The judge says, you were home free, free of the death penalty, and still you went back to committing crimes. To this day, Robert Rozier is serving time in prison. I sent him a letter for the opportunity to speak with him for this podcast via telephone. As of yet, I have received no response. Hi, Michelle and Carl Springs. Welcome to Hot Talk. Hi, good evening. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm good. How are you? The significance of Yahweh Ben Yahweh's presence in Miami, even 40 years later, still provokes emotion. I am asked to appear on the radio show Miami's Hot Talk with Jill Tracy on 105.9 FM to talk about the podcast. Listeners call in with their own stories. You have a question I'm for Michelle, well. your namesake, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I only wanted to weigh in on the conversation about Yahweh being Yahweh. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit astonished to hear the last caller. I, I just have to comment. You know, I happen to have happened to be related to people that were in his temple. And it astonishes me to hear anyone question how this guy, this cult leader, could have been such a saint. He was charismatic. He had to be brilliant to lure people in. That's the hook. You can't just get, just like Jim Jones and some of the other charismatic figures, David Koresh and all these other folk, it's not, we're not talking about the issue because he's black. We're talking because he was a cult leader and, he, and on his watch, people were murdered. On his watch, my family members were brutalized. 
on his watch, people, including my relatives, had to give up everything to to follow him. This man was no saint at all. Whether he personally did it or not, he knew about it. It happened on his watch, and I would say he took part in it. Okay, so I have a totally different opinion based on you know relatives of mine. So you have so you had. Family members that were part of the yes. the the oh, church, yes. mm-hmm. uh, and they had to escape by the skin of their teeth. Wow. There are people who continue to believe in Yahweh's innocence. Cult expert Rick Ross comments that the people who are in denial about Mitchell. I mean, he was convicted uh, of a, of. of being involved in the in the murder conspiracies, and I think that the witnesses established his involvement. So I, I think that people that just simply can't accept that fact uh, are in a kind of denial because of their emotional investment in the group, and that they just don't want to accept who and what Julian Mitchell really was. I come to offer you heaven while you live. How long? Not just as long as you live, but eternally, forever. You getting older? Yahweh bin Yahweh. You getting older? No. How old are you? I'm older than the sun, moon, and star. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I have no beginning and I have no end. But 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 if you're getting older, you're going to die. And then understand what God has done for his son. His only begotten son. That's who I am. See, I'm the only begotten son of Yahweh. I'm Yahweh's only begotten son. And what Yahweh has in him, I have in me. He has life eternal, and I have life eternal. Because he gave me that. Therefore, you can't kill me, and I can't die. Yahweh did die of prostate cancer on May 7, 2007, at the age of 71. He blamed the government for giving him cancer. Join me, Michelle Solomon, for the upcoming Season 6 of The Florida Files. But if you can't wait, don't forget the past seasons, including the story of the disappearance of Adam Walsh, the bloodiest shootout in FBI history, the story of Broward rapper XXXTentacion, and the death of a bombshell, how Anna Nicole Smith became part of the Florida Files. You can find all this and online extras at Local10.com. Download the Florida Files on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and on any other podcast platform.